This time on episode 355 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Daredevil Season 3, Episode 5, The Perfect Game, and Season 3, Episode 6, The Devil You Know, and we discuss weekly Marvel news. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, December 3rd, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast New York-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Roof Over Your Head Day. I know it's a very serious thing, but it cracks me up because you say roof because you're from more north than I am. And I say roof because I'm in the south. It just it's funny to me. Anyway, yes, it is very good to have a roof over your head, to be thankful for that and to be aware of all the people who don't have that right now, especially as we're going into a very cold time of year. Indeed. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the roof thing because I went off to college and I lived in different places after that. And I was living in Colorado and I came home one time and my sister say, hey, SP, say roof. I said roof, roof, whatever. However, I said it, she just laughed her butt off because apparently my accent had changed from the Minnesotan accent to the Colorado accent at the time. And the combination made roof really funny for me to say at the time i will never forget that so if my sister's watching i know what you did there. <laughs> it is a very serious day though national roof over your head day it's after thanksgiving and we need to remember the people that are less fortunate than us so make sure that you reach out in this uh cold times and uh, try to lend a hand as you can and now on to the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because that's hard. That's really hard. If you like to talk to us about things being hard, really hard, come to our website, legendsofshield.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can find us on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can come join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. You know, before we get into everything, one of the episode names is The Perfect Game. And while I'm not the biggest baseball fan out there, my dad really is, but I am not. It just reminds me of For Love of the Game. And, and this episode of 
Daredevil has nothing to do with for love of the game. Nothing at all. So we'll get into that right now. Daredevil, Season 3, Episode 5, The Perfect Game, and Season 3, Episode 6, The Devil You Know, were both published to Netflix on October 19th, 2018, with the rest of Season 3. Lauren, why don't you run down the creative team of The Perfect Game? Well, we're starting off with the director, Julian Holmes, who has 36 directing credits starting in 1982, including 11 of EastEnders, 5 of Law & Order UK, Six of MI5, one of Class, one of Iron Fist, one of Daredevil, two of Outlander, two of Carnival Row, one of Suits, one of Impulse, and three of Knots and Crosses. The episode was written by Tanya King, who has eight writing credits starting in 2006, including 12 of Justice, six of Political Animals, one of Hit the Floor, one of Daredevil, but with 13 episodes as story editor, three of Arrow, but with 12 episodes as story editor, two of 911, one of 911 Lone Star, and one of The Wilds. And no idea there was an offshoot of 911 called 911 The Lone Star. Oh, yeah. They actually film it here in Austin. Is that something to be proud of? I, I don't know. I don't know. I never watched it. I want to say there's some people on the cast that I'm like, oh, hey, it's them. But I don't really watch it. So, okay. Mm. Well, audience, if you've watched. 911 Lone Star, let us know how you liked it. In the meantime, let's move on to the second episode that we're going to be talking about tonight, The Devil You Know. Michelle, why don't you run down the creative team for this one? This episode was directed by Stephen Sergic, has 62 directing credits starting in 1985, including one of the X-Files, two Bull, 10 Da Vinci's Inquest, two episodes of Monk, three Flashpoint, one Eureka, seven Sight, six Warehouse 13, 10 episodes of Burn Notice, one of the blacklist, one arrow, one flash, seven person of interest, one of the defenders, one punisher, two Luke Cage, two Iron Fist, four Daredevil, one Runaways, three of the gifted, three Jessica Jones, three Lost in Space, four episodes of the Umbrella Academy, and two episodes of The Witcher. This episode was written by Dylan Gallagher, has two writing credits starting in 2018, one Daredevil, and one Carnival Row. Anytime we can get an episode directed by Steven Surgic, I enjoy it. We've talked about him multiple times on this show. Michelle, you and I have talked about him on the Starling Tribune when we were covering Arrow. He's a very gifted director and very prolific. Prolific? Prolific? Prolific. Prolific. Thank you. Director. It is very seldom that you see a TV director that is getting... 60 70 directing credits and he has gotten up there so two episodes today the perfect game the devil you know i talked about the perfect game not being for the love of the game <laughs> nor is it doc ellis's famous no hitter where he was on a substance and pitched the entire perfect game with that very interesting i advise you even if you're not a baseball fan and believe me i am not to look that up it's really interesting Okay. So The Perfect Game, I think, is a great title for the backstory of Dex, which is what we got, the backstory. And it was about, the crux of the matter was about him not being able to pitch The Perfect Game uh, and bring his parents back, because that's what he wanted to do. And then everything just kind of tumbled on from there. I think, judging by what his tendencies were to that point, 
something was going to happen to him at some point. That was just the tipping point at the baseball game. We'll get into that in a little bit. The devil you know, that was interesting, especially when we got the daredevil versus daredevil fight at the end at the bulletin. And that is basically Dex in the daredevil costume going after uh, daredevil in addition to killing a bunch of people, including, I think, the editor. He was laying on the floor, I don't think, breathing at the end. So I, I think he passed away in this episode and think Dex killed him. But yes, those are the two episode titles and what I saw. Michelle, did you see anything different to equate to the names of the episode? Oh, the perfect game. We see Fisk envision Dex's past life. And it's, you know, interesting how they did it with the black and white footage. It's Fisk. Yes, you know, there is that level of Dex wanting to pitch the perfect game, but Fisk is playing the perfect game. He is still 20 moves ahead of everyone. And that's the other part of the perfect game that I get. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And with the devil, you know, of course, the rest of that saying is it's better the devil, you know, than the one you don't. Well, we, the audience know which one is daredevil, which one is not. It's a nice little play there. And if there were any doubts as to Dex being off his rocker, this episode definitely solidified it. The perfect game. He has some issues that he needs to work through, but he's also acted on those issues irrevocably because he killed his coach on purpose, on purpose, because he's got this uncanny ability to either throw or shoot things right in the middle of the target in the bullseye, so to speak, every single time. Uh, with the ball, it was hitting the fireplace or the wall in the same spot over and over and over again. Uh, he throws a knife with uncanny accuracy. As we saw, his sharpshooting is way up there. So he's got this innate ability to be able to hit things on target every single time. I was joking when I was watching the episode. He has the power of yeet. <laughs> yeet. <gasps> Oh, that's a good one. But he is definitely disturbed. And if there was any doubts about it, he was definitely stalking Julie. I have three things to say in specific about Dex in this episode. Uh, The first one is as sort of the heavy handed way that they let us, the audience, know, hey, there's something wrong here. We see his therapist scribbling down very large, like psychopathic tendencies. I don't think that's actually what reputable therapists do, but I won't say I'm a person who has like a favorite serial killer or anything, but I do read an awful lot about true crime and abnormal psychology. And there's studies that have been done on psychopathic tendencies and psychopathy, which is basically not really the term used anymore. It's antisocial personality disorder. And what it is, is it's a lack of empathy. And there's been a lot of studies about brain imaging and about behavioral things. And there's actually a really, really good book and article called The Psychopath Inside, I think. And it's about a neurologist, a neuroscientist, who was doing all these studies and had done one of his own brain scans to slip in as a control But everyone kept pointing out this is one of the psychopathic brains. And it turns out, and looking back at his life and going through it, he's like, oh, 
I have this. And he becomes very interested in why does he have a very functional life and a family and kids and some people don't. And it really does come down to sort of a nature versus nurture. There's this perfect storm that happens. Look, psychopathic tendencies, sociopathic tendencies are positively chosen for in things like the business world and politics, where you have to have that distance. And a lot of people go through life doing nothing more than, you know, that. But there's that small thing of the people who don't get the support where they do, or maybe there's an outside factor like a frontal lobe injury, which happens a lot. And I think it's very interesting that Dex was shown as, hey, if you have this positive control in your life, it keeps you on the straight and narrow. And speaking of all of this, what's culminating, what I kind of really wanted to talk about in this episode, when we see him at the call center, Ted Bundy used to work at a suicide prevention hotline. If you've ever read the book, The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, she's a true crime author who was actually friends with Ted Bundy pre anyone knowing he was a serial killer. And she talked about how he was one of the best ones there. He knew exactly what to say. And while I was watching this, I was just getting like flashes to reading The Stranger Inside Me. And I think that's going to be something I'm very interested in seeing from Dex for the rest of the series. His therapist says you do better when your moral compass is fixed to a North Star. And now his North Star is Fisk. What's going to happen? Sorry, that was really long and rambling, but I've been thinking about this for like three weeks because I watched the episodes by accident. Oh, I understand because if you've listened to the show, I've been open back to the fact that I have a mental illness and the whole North Star part in having a routine and being in a controlled environment, there's only so much you can control in your life. So having everything in your life being controlled is very difficult. But having a North Star, there is a difference between having supportive friends and having one person you depend on for everything. And you don't have the right, Dex doesn't have the right, I don't have the right to make one person responsible for my stability. That's what he does. He does it with the therapist. He did it with his coach because he felt like the coach betrayed him. That's why he killed him. You know, the therapist, he fixed on his therapist and then she was dying and then he wanted to lash out. And then he made Julie this artificial North Star and he pinned everything on her. And we don't have the right to do that. We don't have the right to do that at all. I was thinking the therapist was a little bit unorthodox to begin with. Well, okay, yes, for somebody that, you know, you go to once a week and talk to. But if you look into the history of mental health professionals and treating psychopathy, there's some really, okay, this makes everything look just completely like flyover country normal. When you look into this, you start reading about doctors doing things like, hey, what if we gave all of these convicted murderers that we've screened and they all have sociopathic tendencies and give them acid? And have them naked in a room for a week and play really loud music. And the answer is nothing good. 
nothing good comes from that with a normal person in those circumstances. Yeah, you find some really dark stuff when you look into... Yes. Yeah. Really dark recent stuff. Yeah, the, the diagnosis and treatments for mental illness have a horde, just, you know, everything from being locked in rooms to the various drugs to electrotherapy basically and, and lobotomies mm-hmm. forced lobotomies as well it really hasn't only turned a tide from maybe the late 80s i would say the 1980s where things started to get accurately diagnosed and better treatments and such and even now there's still a lot of misconceptions about it and misdiagnosed so when that was going on with dex i'm going Yeah, because it's very difficult. First off, it's just very difficult to find someone who's good to begin with. And yeah, was she the best therapist? No. Is there a lot worse? Yes. I legitimately had a therapist ask if my intrusive thoughts were possibly me having psychic flashes. And I'm like, no, I'm mentally ill. (laughs) But yes, it made for the whole... I don't know about USP, but I know that when I was watching this, I saw Dex as like a very tragic figure. I'm like, oh, it's that whole cool motive, still murder thing. I don't know. SP, Michelle. I understood. And Fisk said all the right things. He, again, 20 steps ahead. He lured him in with the truth because Fisk, murdering his father at 12 later on i know we're going to talk about karen and everything i actually went back and i watched the episode that that came in that's actually mentioned she went to the nursing home in that episode the previous episode and then we learned that indeed fisk killed his father when he was 12 with the hammer um it's actually mentioned in that episode that's referenced i loved it when that ha- i like it when that when marvel writers you know did it happen in luke cage season two and it happens here You know, he just says the right things and he knows how to give you support while unleashing that horrible devil that's in you. Awful. He just gives Dex permission to be, quote unquote, his true self. And it's like, I'm the best North Star you've ever had because I completely understand you and I'm not going to betray you. I'm just going to let you in. I'm going to, you know, unleash you on the world. And if you get killed, whatever. But Dex just doesn't see that. He just sees someone who finally understands him. Yeah. To borrow a comparison from another now Disney-owned property, it's very Palpatine and Anakin Skywalker. Quite a bit. I'm actually watching The Clone Wars. I'm in the middle of season two. Yeah, I know you told me to, to watch it in the chronologic order. I don't care what order you watch it in. I just like having the people to talk about it with. Yeah, I'm yeah. on like episode five or six or seven of, of season two. I'm watching it on the elliptical or the treadmill. And yeah, I totally watching Palpatine, knowing the full story, watching Palpatine and what he's doing and what he's not doing in that series is interesting so far it's probably the most interesting thing because you know he's bad you know he's manipulating everything and it's just watching what they choose to show on the show and what they don't is pretty cool but yeah i I would say fisk is acting a little bit like this now remember fisk isn't present 
He's had virtually nothing else to do except for sit there and strategize in his own head for quite some time, especially since he's gotten to the penthouse where he's got nothing else to do except for we know that he owns the building. And, oh, I don't know why the FBI doesn't know that there's a back door that he's able to get out and he's able to view the FBI from the cameras so it's uh, he is very manipulative he's very strategically focused he wants to get back and charge his plan he's mentioned his plan but he can't do the plan when he's the the central focus of the bad thing anything can be flipped over to good i think he's he's thinking and by the way the whole deal with the fbi very generous very generous. I doubt that would ever really happen in real life. Now, I'm not an FBI expert. I don't deal with criminals, but I'm just thinking even witness protection programs aren't that good. So, yeah, I don't think that would happen in real life. So, I feel a little bit more comfortable thinking that it can't happen in real life. So, if somebody was like Fisk could manipulate their way out, but who knows? Fisk, he is you watch him in that first episode and he does the trip down memory lane in analyzing decks the whole time and and that's a, like a superpower that he has i mean he's been all over the place he's been a head fisk to daredevil he's got this uncanny ability to visualize everything right in front of him as he's trying to figure everything out and scheme the way forward and He's running like multiple criminal enterprises and multiple criminal enterprises against each other right there and manipulating everything uh, from the penthouse while he's under custody. It's interesting. And I, I can't remember her name, the special agent in charge of Nadim, but I have my doubts on her if she is bought off or not. I, I don't know for sure. It's hard to tell. I don't think so. I think. As we see with Nadim and her, if they admit that Fisk owns the hotel and Fisk got himself stabbed, then the FBI is being played. The FBI, Fisk knows that the FBI needs to save face and that's why they're throwing decks under the bus. He's probably the one that leaked it. You know, he probably leaked it and, you know, again, to get decks on his side to hook him even more. He knows that the FBI doesn't want to lose face. And he knows that they're going to unwittingly do Fisk a favor by going after Matt Murdock, by going after Daredevil, because they can't admit publicly that Fisk fooled them. At least for now. The whole investigation into Dex is, I know why it's there for the story purposes, but I don't know. It just seems like it's maybe taking too long and... It's not really following proper procedure, but then again, Fisk is manipulating everything from behind. So whatever. Nadim, he's good. I'll give him that. He is good. He's just very focused on everything. It's FBI versus the entire criminal world, basically in his eyes. And he's not seeing like good criminals or bad criminals, or whatever, because vigilantes in, in his eyes would be criminals, I think, especially at the end when you got Daredevil. He fights Daredevil in the stairwell, and that's how he knows it's Daredevil that went after the bulletin. So aside from that, his pursuit of Murdoch, of Karen and Foggy, of not even one, 
to listen to a Jasper Evans story. Okay. He's focused. Karen, this has been set up for seasons now. Series, right? You've got Karen, the fact that she's actually murdered somebody. And now she's got to own up to it because Nadim sees something in her eye. And so he's going to focus on that for a while. No matter what comes out of this investigation, the bulletin or whatever, that's still in the back of his mind. What went on with her? And she's admitted it now. The first time she's spoken it to anybody, I think she's admitted it to Foggy. And now Foggy's got to help her through it. Foggy says she's not a bad person, but she still killed somebody and they haven't told the authorities. She killed somebody seven times. Well, I went back and I rewatched the episode. It is season one, episode 11, in case you would like to go back and watch this. To recap, Vanessa has just been poisoned. You know, so Fisk is distracted by this. Karen and Ben had just visited Fisk's mom and learned about how Fisk killed his dad and everything. And because Fisk is preoccupied with Vanessa, Wesley, who was basically Fisk's right-hand man at the time, learns that Karen and Ben had visited the mom. And actually, when Karen is in front of her apartment, he does, you know, he kidnaps her. The whole, like, chloroform, I guess, and takes her to some building with a table. She finally comes to. He says that you're going to take everything back. You're going to be a champion for Fisk. And then he puts the gun on the table and she's just like, you know, I'm not going to do this. You'll just go ahead and kill me. And he just went, you're not going to die first. The first people who are going to die are Ben and Matt and Foggy. And after everyone that you know and love has been killed, then I will kill you. So the gun is there. Wesley has, you know, she has just been kidnapped. He's just threatened everybody. And the phone, Rusty's phone rings and it distracts and then she's getting the gun and he stands up. He starts to stand up and she does fire. Yes, she fires seven times. But when you look at the scene, she's just basically come out of being drugged. She is exhausted and her headspace. So it's not like when we saw in Luke Cage with Miranda, you know, lighting someone on fire and it was cold. It wasn't as cold and calculating as it seems like on the surface. There was a lot more going on. She just didn't stand there and coldly shoot seven times. She couldn't kill Fisk. She was so after Fisk. And you know, she couldn't kill Fisk. Here's this guy who's the right hand of Fisk. And it was almost like she was able to kill Wesley. And then, you know, she wants to kill Fisk so much. And, and I think that's why it was seven times, as opposed to like this being cold calculating thing. So there's actually a sort of phenomenon. It happens particularly with abused women where things just build and build and build. And then when they snap and kill, it's absolute overkill. I used to live right down the street. Do you remember there was that woman, she was married to a dentist in Houston. He was cheating on her and she ran over him and basically turned him into a smear on the road. I lived right down the street from where that happened. And it turns out he had been abusing her for years. And 
it was just the last straw she snapped. It was the same thing if you look up Lorena Bobbitt. There is a fantastic documentary about her on Amazon Prime. And again, it's years and years of abuse. Finally, she snaps, severs, you know. And a lot of it comes down to the way that we raise boys and girls to process emotions. Girls are supposed to keep everything down and not make a fuss. And boys are expected to, ah, it's okay if they let it all out, blah, blah, blah. And neither is healthy. And it causes problems. And it's one of the reasons why when you look up domestic violence trials, particularly women who have killed their spouse in self-defense, but done it by, yeah, shooting them seven times. It's like a pressure cooker. It explodes at some point. And that is exactly like what Michelle said, what we saw in Karen. Everything was building, building, building. And then she had the gun in her hand. And before she knew it, she'd fired seven times. Does that make it right? Not necessarily. Is she still alive? Yes. And I think the writers have done a very good job at, first of all, building Karen to that point where we see her shoot somebody seven times and still feel sympathetic for her and also have it realistically portray, you know, why she wouldn't have wanted to go and say, hey, I did this, but it was self-defense. She pretty much did not have a single positive interaction with law enforcement in season one. Given what we know about her past, she may have not had much positive interaction back then either. So, again, it's understandable that all she saw, again, was, well, they're just going to pin it on me this time. I've got to hide this. And now we're seeing the consequences of all that. Right. That's the biggest thing is that she didn't go to the authorities and let it. She didn't even go to Foggy or Matt at the time and let them know what happened. Well, Foggy and Matt were not talking. It's that period of the show where they had that big falling out and no one was really talking to each other. Like she actually called, she actually called both of them and they just weren't picking up because nobody, they weren't talking and everything. And then by the time everyone was talking again, she felt relieved and she just didn't want to bring it up because she didn't want to ruin the fact that everybody had just made up. Yeah. So it's not like she didn't want to, it's just the family was fractured at the moment and she really didn't have any sort of support. Okay, I've got a couple other things to talk about in the episode. First of which is Sister Maggie, who was in uh, the episodes, but she was almost just like a pass-through. She was just there to be there and to move the story along. There there was no, no huge things. Maybe a scene with Matt trying to gauge their relationship back and forth. I mean, it's very interesting watching her because knowing that she is not close to matt and she's coming at it from a somebody that could advise basically and not somebody that's having a a personal relationship and i think that's going to play out in the next few episodes so that's sister maggie the last thing i want to talk about is fight so we didn't have an epic fight like the prison fight which we talked about last time but we did have the massacre at the bulletin by dex I alluded to before he was in the daredevil suit. We'll talk about that in a second. And daredevil comes in in his black garb and thwarts him being able to kill absolutely everybody. I got a question. I'm not remembering it completely. Did we have a scene between Dex and Karen earlier in this 
series? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And he said to her something like, good to see you again, Karen, or something like that at the end. He said her name. Yeah. What I took it as when I was watching it was, just in case anybody's left alive, establish that murderer Daredevil and Karen Page know each other, take Karen down as well. That's what I thought. I could be mistaken. I was thinking that Dex actually knew her from maybe the suicide hotline or something like that earlier. I don't know. Or it could be a message from Fisk because Karen's going to know that Fisk is behind this. Yeah. What's interesting is that back in season one, Fisk thought Leland had killed Wesley. Things have happened since then. Perhaps he's learned a few things more. Again, Fisk is 20 moves ahead of everyone. So yeah, it could be because either A wants to establish a link between Karen because Matt is being screwed both ways as Matt Murdock, the lawyer and as Matt Murdock, daredevil, like because Fisk has figured out he's daredevil. Having Karen tied to both Matt Murdock, the lawyer, and now Matt Murdock, daredevil, that puts her in a position as well. So who knows? I kind of wanted to bring this in here. Pretty much all of our characterization about modern Daredevil comes from the Frank Miller run, Born Again, back in the 80s. I was refreshing my, my mind on what happened in this episode, and somebody brought up, oh, this happened in Born Again. And I was like, oh, yeah, because it's been a few years since I've read it. I will say, if you want a really good Daredevil story that is kind of similar to what we're seeing right now in terms of like, Fisk wanting to take down Daredevil and having an evil Daredevil kind of running around ruining Daredevil's good name. A drastically different Karen Page, though. Yeah, check that out. Frank Miller, he's a problematic guy, but it was a really good comic. I wasn't 100% sure that Fisk was confident that he figured out that Matt Mardock was Daredevil. I mean, there's enough to go on there, but I wasn't a hundred percent that he knew that Matt was daredevil. He's allotted for the possibility strongly, but in his conversations with uh, Ben Donovan, I think it was, he didn't commit 100% to there, but he did say that he's got some moves. He's got the ability to survive the entire thing. I think by putting Dex in the daredevil suit, I really think that's Fisk saying, I know you're Daredevil as well. Because Fisk and Daredevil fought in season one, episode 13. And here's Fisk seeing the footage of Matt Murdock, the supposed blind guy, fighting like the guy who beat him up and got him into prison to begin with. So I think he put two and two together and got 22 and put Dex in the daredevil suit for that reason. Or put 10 and an ace together and got 21. I'm just thinking about the comic, the Avengers comic from a few years ago. It's a Christmas party and Matt Murdock comes in wearing an, I am not daredevil sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it made sense in context, but out of context, it's still really funny. The fight was really good between Dex and Matt, it was some of the best fighting. Now, I have no idea if they were stuntmen or not, because, you know, they're both wearing costumes at that point. 
but it was a really good fight and I was glad to see it. It was actually really great. I cringed the entire time that I was watching. Now I'm watching this on the elliptical and I'm like cringing on the elliptical because there were some gruesome moments in the entire fight because it wasn't just between the two of them. It was everything that Dex did to the workers at the bulletin as well. And Karen is just standing there just in frozen in fear as Dex is standing in front of her in the daredevil suit. But everything that Dex did to daredevil, of course, he's got gaping wounds all over his body because of a box cutter and knives, whatever being impaled on him. And he's just trying to leave and get out of there at the end and taking them out. Just the fact of him taking it out and the, the slight sound effects as he's doing that with the, you know, the flat, it was, Oh, I just yeah, cringing to the sound department. Yeah. That I, was gross. It, it was, well, made me cringe and not want to watch it it again but it was, it was brutal and that's what daredevil is it's brutal i fights. saw someone point out that that scene was very reminiscent of a fight between daredevil and bullseye in kevin smith's run of daredevil apparently there's a point in that particular fight where daredevil knocks out some of bullseye's teeth and then bullseye immediately just throws the teeth at him i never read it so i wouldn't yeah. know but i could see homages being made to stuff like that because i mean you got all these comic books to rely back on why not oh use yeah them, right? no you have yeah decades of comics so i'm really liking that they're kind of picking the cream of the crop and picking like okay well this moment from this was good this from this worked let's have an homage to this yeah as, as a comics fan it makes my nerdy little heart happy mine too now my roku fake me out because it started playing episode seven instead of episode six i'm not sure why that happened so i saw the first few minutes of episode seven basically up to the intro and then right after the intro and then i noticed this can't be the next episode and i shut it off right there so i kind of got spoiled in the attack at the bulletin because i kind of knew that was gonna happen but i didn't know the specifics about it but next week we'll be talking about Daredevil Season 3, Episode 7, Aftermath, Aftermath of the Bulletin, and Season 3, Episode 8, Upstairs, Downstairs, and I'm looking forward to it, and I don't, you know, even if I was binging this show, I think I would have taken a strategic pause after that fight scene, because it was so gruesome. It does kind of feel like an act change, too. Yeah. Okay, I am taking a leap that maybe I'm wrong that Fisk has figured out Matt is Daredevil, but I think it makes sense. But either way, you have that pause. You have Foggy telling Karen we need to be better friends to Matt than Matt's being a better friend to us. And you have Karen who's very confident and she goes, you know, like Manning and it's like, I know who you are, know what you do. And then Manning's like basically telling Karen her own life story and then there's the whole Evans dealing. Should they have taken him straight to the FBI instead of trying to get the story? Who knows? But yeah, it's very much a setback for all of them. And hopefully, you know, Matt stops being such a jerk. And, you know, we finally get the three amigos back together. There's a very creepy scene with Karen in front of Felix Manning, by the way. And at the, at the end, he basically says, I don't, fix problems i make them disappear you know yeah ominously and then it freaks her out it would freak me out yeah yeah i do have a question though is that felix outside of dex's door or is that just an anonymous limo driver at the end i don't know 
I couldn't tell for sure. And, you know, I did, had limited yeah, time. The angle. Yeah. It could be Felix as the fixer taking care of things. Or he didn't say what his job was, did he? He didn't say he was a fixer. He, he said he wasn't a fixer, but he didn't say his job title wasn't a fixer. Anyway. So that's what we're going to be looking at next week. Aftermath and upstairs, downstairs. I'm looking forward to it. Are you, you ladies looking forward to it? Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. So in the meantime, we got some news to get to. We're first going to begin with a couple of articles about Black Panther 2. Well, first off, a couple days ago, as of when we're recording right now, was Chadwick Boseman's birthday. And as a tribute, Disney Plus changed, you know, the usual Marvel. It looks like there's comic books or script pages and stuff in there. The little montage for the Marvel Studios thing. They changed that to Chadwick Boseman. It's in purple. It's, you know, flashes of him from the movies. It's bits of his lines from the script. I don't know if it's still currently that on Disney Plus right now, but we're linking to the Marvel Twitter account where they have the recording of that opening. And it's, I mean, it made me tear up. I don't know about you. I haven't been able to watch Black Panther since Chadwick died. I am just going to cry. I'm waiting until I'm kind of emotionally able to handle it. Michelle, I think you went back and, and rewatched it or started to rewatch it. I did rewatch it and I, uh, I cried as well. I have even, one of the things I like to rewatch is that final battle scene from Endgame, you know? And, oh, yeah. You know, and then you, I hear on your left and then he's the first one to walk out and then I start to cry and then his loss, I just... Yeah. Yeah. That one, it's for me, I understand his loss is, I think, Carrie Fisher level. The loss of Carrie Fisher still hurts me. And I know that there's a lot of just thousands upon thousands of people. There's a clip from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon where people are oh. talking messages, saying messages to the poster and checking yeah. behind. And then he comes out and then mm -hmm. like there are those they go like my king and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're not over this. Not we are not. I think the most impactful one for me was the little boy who had idolized him so much and then came out. I think that was my favorite one of, of the whole thing. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Black Panther 2 begins shooting in July. They're going to be shooting in Atlanta. The plan is for them to be shooting for upwards of six months. From what I've heard, speculation and some interviews that I saw with Letitia Wright, it looks like they will be moving forward with Shuri as the Black Panther. I'm both really curious and really dreading <laughs> to see how they handle that. Also, Mexican actor Teno Chuerta who was one of the stars of Narcos Mexico on Netflix, is in talks to play one of the antagonists in the movie. I am really curious to see who he's going to play and how that's going to go. And I am very happy for more, you know, Latino representation, even if it's as a villain. <laughs> the villains are always the coolest ones. We know this. 
Well, yeah, I've got a story about that too. But the filming in the United States doesn't surprise me because of the pandemic. And it's just easier for um, American-based studios to film in the United States, even though it's going to be in July and who knows what the pandemic is going to be in July after vaccines are given out and that sort of thing. But I definitely could see that's why they all the prep work and everything's still well, they has filmed to the happen. last one in Atlanta too. The state of Georgia gives really good tax breaks for filming. So that's why you see whenever you see that little peach logo, it's a show that's been made in Georgia. Right. I think that the bulk of the filming might have been in Georgia, but not all of it. And I don't know if they plan on going elsewhere with Black Panther 2 or not, or if they're just going to bunker down there. I mean, there's been a lot of shooting that's been changed, not just with movies, with TV shows and stuff like that, too. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, exciting to see Black Panther 2 on the road to actually start filming. And do we know how long the, the shoot is going to be? Usually, isn't it like 50 to 90 days? They said they're looking at upwards of six months. I think they're budgeting in if we have to shut down because of COVID. And I don't know what else. Yeah, you probably have to go through yeah. a mandatory... 10 to 14 day quarantine period for the main crew before you start filming too. And probably doing the long nights, quick turnaround things that probably will also decrease. So they're probably going to have shooting schedules, a little bit shorter days instead of, you know, 16, maybe 12 to 14. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. More movie news. We have um, rumors about Spider-Man three. Yeah, so Alfred Molina is supposedly being signed to reprise his role as uh, Otto Octavius, Dr. Octopus, for Spider-Man 3. We've already had things like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield signing on and Jamie Foxx's Electro signing on. We know that Dr. Strange is going to be a character in it. And since his the whole thing is, you know, the multiverses of madness and then going, I guess, directly into Spider-Man 3. This article says leading us has led to speculation over the possibility of crossover appearances from past Spider-Men. I think that's seeming increasingly likely. Again, the fangirl in me is like, hey, I liked these actors. And, you know, the writer part of me is like, what are they doing? It's interesting about the villains. And I said I had something about that a little bit ago. I'm just going to say it now. So another News item, although not Marvel related, David Prowse passed away. He's the actor that was inside the suit playing Darth Vader on the screen. Never saw his face. His voice was never actually on screen, although they did record it <laughs> on the set. And one of the things that is very interesting about his casting is he was given the choice of either the role of Chewbacca or Darth Vader. He chose Darth Vader because he said villains are always remembered longer than the heroes. Yeah. Oh, that. Again, huge loss with that this week. We've lost a lot of good people this week. We've lost David Prowse. We lost Pat Patterson in the wrestling world. We lost Hugh. I'm just blanking on his last name. He played a Morton Joe in Mad Max Fury Road and Toe Cutter in the original Mad Max. All of those within the space of this week. It's It's been rough. Well, for those of you who love our... You know, favorite R-rated Marvel. Looks like we're going to be getting Deadpool 3. Yes. Okay. This has me excited. 
for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, of course, Deadpool 3. I think we were all looking forward to it. I'm pretty sure I remember us being like, but are they going to do it? And if they do, is it going to be R-rated? Yes, sources say the film is still expected to be rated R. Thank you. And the writers who are going to be working on it, who are attached right now, are actually favorites of mine from a TV show, Bob's Burgers, Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux-Loglin. They are very funny. I like them. David Leach does not look like he's going to be returning as writer or director because his schedule is booked up solid through the end of 2021, it sounds like. Insiders say the door is open for his return as it's unknown when Daredevil 3, um, Daredevil, when Deadpool 3 will go into production. But given that he wasn't part of the writer search, it seems unlikely for him to be coming back. So we'll see. We'll see who ends up directing it. I'm really excited about the uh, Deadpool. I I was almost going to say Daredevil again. It's on the brain. It is. I'm really excited about Deadpool 3 for many reasons. One of which is they're going to break the fourth wall. And this is going to be the tie between the old studios and the fact that everything's been brought over to the MCU. I mean, they already mentioned it before. And they're going to mention again the fact that the X-Men, you know, who is Professor X, you know, which version are we talking about? They're going to talk about it again, and it's going to be the thread that brings all these universes together. They didn't say whether this is going to be the MCU or not. They just said they were going to make it, right? Yeah, that's what I saw. It's Disney will be producing it, but who knows if it's going to be MCU. I don't know. Big shrug. Eh. And the other thing, since it's going to be rated R, it will not be on Disney Plus because they've said. If they edited out Daryl Hannah's butt in Splash. They are not going to allow. It'll be on Hulu because I think the other ones are on Hulu. So I think so. You mean it's not going to be on HBO Max? That's the wrong. That's I, the know, wrong I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lastly, we have news about the Disney Plus show Hawkeye. Okay. This has me really excited. I saw this last night. We have our first pictures from the Hawkeye show. I linked to an Instagram where they have a whole bunch of pictures. I put one in particular because it has Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. It has Haley Stansfield as Kate. And it has, there's a golden retriever playing the part of Lucky the Pizza Dog. I was so happy when Pizza Dog was trending the other day on Twitter. It has me really excited. I think I have the same type of bow that Kate has. Mm. So that made me happy. We also have a confirmation that Florence Pugh, she's going to be in the upcoming Black Widow as Yelena Belova, and she will be bringing that character to Hawkeye. And sources indicate she's going to be wearing a Ronin-inspired costume. Who is Ronin, you might ask? Well, remember that part in Endgame where Hawkeye got really sad and ran around Japan dressed as an emo kid? It's that outfit. So we'll see how that ties in what happens if she's a good guy or a bad guy we don't know because the black widow movie was delayed until may i'm just very excited i still wish they'd replaced jeremy renner because of the domestic violence accusations but we're getting kate and we're getting pizza dog and that's what really matters to me i was surprised to see jeremy on the set and the pictures were definitely jeremy i saw them too I was surprised to see him on the set. I didn't hear any announcement that 
they had decided to go with Jeremy in spite of everything else. Maybe I missed it. Maybe they just hoped nobody would notice. I don't know. I think they probably wanted to keep it quiet. Anybody who has been, okay, all the Johnny Depp stuff with Fantastic Beasts, he has just been replaced by Mads Mikkelsen, who I like better as an actor, but I'm not going to watch the movies anyway, but it's a whole nother story. But the problem there was, again, domestic violence accusations. But here there was also a legal component thrown in where, you know, people were being sued for libel, things like that. And Depp lost the case unless there is, I think, a similar sort of legal accounting, I guess. I don't think Marvel's going to do anything there. It's interesting how that all panned out. I know this isn't a news thing, but did you hear about HBO Max? Warner Brothers movies are going to premiere the same day theatrically and on HBO Max. It seems as though they're going to be on HBO Max maybe a month or two and then disappear. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to start with Wonder Woman, you know, on Christmas, and they're going to do at least the 2021 movies. They haven't mentioned if it's going to go. I think it just depends on how... You know, everything. This also includes Dune. I know Dune's supposed to be coming out next year. So all I have to say is yes. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have to get HBO Max now because now it's not just Wonder Woman. It's now all of these. And yes, this is what I was talking about last time. Give us the same day. Make it limited run on the streaming. I can deal with a month. I can do that. And then I would feel safer and then still with everything because I know some places in the world I've handled their pandemic better than us. Lots of places. A lot of places. So, you know, I understand that it can't really have a wide release in the United States, but there are other countries that have done better. Yeah, they can go to the theater without worrying about death. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. from- uh, I'll just give you an example. New Zealand. I mean, they have yeah. had yeah. some cases, but they've really contained it. Yeah. Um, that's a prime example. Uh, there are so many countries doing this better. So yeah. I I am actually happy about that. I kind of hope that maybe Disney Plus wanting to take some of the steam back from that. Everybody's buzzing about that. So maybe, you know, finally Disney will just go finally. Here's Black Widow. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I heard is that they're going to make the same deal with Verizon that Disney Plus did where Verizon customers on certain plans get HBO Max for free for a year. It's the same thing that they did for Disney Plus. I just ended that freebie year, but hey, if you're going to offer it to me, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And again, as somebody who has been watching a lot of TV lately, I can pretty much recommend HBO Max. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There's a lot of good shows on there, both original and older stuff. Yeah, I've been having a great time watching it. Yeah, I still have cable, so I have HBO that way. Yeah, so if you have HBO through your cable, you have HBO Max. Oh, well, then I don't have to worry about it. I thought it was something different. No, they took away HBO Go and HBO Now. Right. So now it's just HBO Max. So if you have an account, you can use it, whether it's just that or that if you have it on cable already. I'll try that, but I guess my broader point was I'm really close to the break point where cable goodbye yeah yeah because i have all these streaming services all of a sudden so okay 
Yeah. When my low in, I have a low end deal that I have to do. And also it's football. And I promised my mom that, okay, after she's agreed that after the, you know, I told her, it's like, well, when football ends is when the price is supposed to go back up. She's agreed. Okay. Yeah. We'll just cut it. And it's just like, yeah. So I'll be able to save money that way. That'll be nice. So I get a new iPhone. So I have Apple TV plus free for a year. I watch Greyhound over there. I haven't checked out anything else. I guess the morning show is, is something that with Jennifer Aniston that a lot of people have been watching. There's other things, but more towards me, I've kept CBS all access because of discovery. I'm a couple of weeks behind, but it's discovery season three has been great. Oh, so, and- good. Oh, good. so good. It's so good. I'm finally caught up. It's so good. Y'all. I'm three episodes behind as of tonight. Tomorrow I'll be four episodes behind, but I'll be watching some. So I watch it late at night and I get that done, you know, prime with the expanse. I've got that in others. Yeah. And other series over there on prime and my daughter has Hulu. So I have Hulu that way. I have had a Netflix subscription for the longest time, but I was just notified that the rate was going to go up and i know we're watching yeah. this daredevil in these series on netflix but i'm like what else am i watching on netflix so i am i'm watching some things but the plan that i have which is you can only watch it on one screen that's remaining the same yeah it's the if you want to watch stuff in like hd and have two screens then oh that was the other thing with the hbo max things they came out and they were going to allow the wonder woman streaming movie in 4k yeah. which is few and far between on, stream- on streaming devices yeah and i think i saw that they're going to let the um warner brothers which movie people are we talking about that do are doing dune and warner brothers warner brothers yes i thought okay i got really excited and blanked out but i think there's talk that they're also going to do a 4k release of those oh that i'd love to see that especially dune yeah, that brings up another point on the health of the movie theaters long term. I'm not sure we're going to have movie theaters in the future. You know, that's a question mark right now. More than likely, we will because people want to go out and they'll want to do the entertainment. They'll want to get the food at the movie theater. You know, everything that the people have been going towards now. But I can't imagine. I mean, they've got to be losing so so much money right now with those properties you mm-hmm. got property tax unless the cities and states let the property tax bill go uh, so you got property tax you've got maintenance on the facilities i mean there's only so much that these companies can do because they don't make a lot off the movies they make a lot off of the concessions yeah i know alamo draft house they're letting you rent movies through their website. They're doing not only just like new releases, but I rented Suspiria, the original 70s version from them because a comedy troupe that I like here in Austin was doing a sort of riff tracks thing for it. You know, things like that. Or again, Alamo Drafthouse is like, hey, we have curbside pickup food and drinks, things like that. They sell merch, but things like, a Cinemark, that type of experience. I don't know what it's going to be like going forward. For people like me that have a 65 inch 4K HDR, 120 hertz TV, and a great sound system to go with it, it's you got to question whether you want to go out 
and and do it or not. I mean, I can have people over at my house. I've got an outdoor theater. It's not as you know good, but I've got an outdoor theater. I can have people over. Not now either, by the way. It's December. It's freaking cold out. But <laughs> anyway, so we'll see what happens with the movie theaters. We'll see what happens with the streaming. I was kind of hoping, I think, Michelle, you wanted to mention this. I was kind of hoping that Disney Plus was going to do the same thing with Black Widow, maybe push Black Widow up, but I don't know. Yeah, from I saw an article when I think they were talking about the Dune and everything. I'm sorry, I keep talking about Dune. I'm just really excited for Dune. The spice. The spice must flow. But yeah, Disney Plus has apparently moved to May 6th for Black Widow. So I think they're still banking on being able to just do a wide release. I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know what things are going to be like in May, obviously. Yeah. I mean, tune in to find out. Yeah, let's just get through the next week. (laughs) Taking it week by week. And talking about that, by the way, let's go ahead and let's do a cosplay switch. Let's do a costume swap and fight each other on the way out. I hope you're enjoying our takes on Daredevil. I'm certainly enjoying finishing off the Defenders universe on Netflix so I can close my OCD and then get on with uh, Disney Plus shows like WandaVision. So thank you very much for staying with us. Thank you to everybody who has gotten a hold of us wherever, whether it's Twitter, email, Discord, YouTube comments, whatever. We like knowing that you're listening. We hope that we are entertaining you and keeping you company in these uncertain times trademark. Just thank you all. Yes, thank you to everyone who is still listening and downloading and interacting with us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate that you you know, tolerate our ramblings and our tangents, and we hope we are entertaining and you're having a good time. And before I sign off for tonight, we asked on Twitter... Which eight flying Marvel superheroes would you want pulling Santa's sleigh? And Mr. Paracletes responded, You know Iron Man and X-Man and Havoc and Thor, Storm, Rogue, and Angel, and Namor. But do you recall the most famous hero of all? Jean Grey, the Dark Phoenix. Had a very (laughs) shiny glow, and if you ever saw it, you might even say, Oh, no. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, that is, that is true. Oh, that's perfect. That is just oh, chef's kiss. Just high five. Thank you very much, Mr. Paracletes. And with that, I will say goodbye. We'll see you next time. I'm producer of the show, SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation. 
Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Hi. You okay? Uh, my neck is killing me, but I think I'll be okay. I'm just going to leave this on until we start streaming. Lauren, did you have a because of? Yes. Okay. Perfect. I can't think of one. Well, it's a good thing Lauren's here tonight. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to be here for this episode because of the Ted Bundy thing. Sure. Yeah. I need to wash my wrist brace. I just accidentally got buffalo sauce in it. Ew. Yeah. So it smells very strongly of buffalo sauce. And you know what? It's bad enough that I'm taking this off. It smells really bad. I'm going to have to wash this. I'm going to have Pike lick it off. Oh, I don't want that. Then he's going to have an upset stomach. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's bad for us all. Yep. Is there anything else we need to discuss before we go? Pike yelled at me yesterday and bit me in the face, but I covered Ooh. it with makeup, so I, maybe you can't see it as much. A yell and a bite. Well, oh. they were two separate times. I was trying to kiss him on his little nose, and he usually lets me, but he snapped. And I mean, he didn't bite real hard, but it was enough to break skin because I have really sensitive skin. Mm. And then yesterday he was mad because I wouldn't let him have hot cocoa. So he went and screamed for a while. Well, was, who wouldn't be mad cute. at that? Yeah. Again, worried about upset pike tummy. Mm. Yeah. Scheduled my last days off for the year. Oh, yeah. I uh, have six days that I have to take. And I have to take them before January 2nd. And... You know, darn it, those those two holidays at the end of the year, they, they kind of crunch. You know, they give you extra time, which mm -hmm. if you're trying to take all your leave and you're like, oh, I, I just can't take it all that last week. And it has to be the last two weeks now because <laughs> like, oh, rats. Now that might change. My son is moving to Madison, so I might, he might ask me to help him he might not want me to have anything to do with it i don't know i've been helping an apartment shop so we'll see but if that happens i'm gonna be driving up to wisconsin yay oh fun okay it should be in our off time but we'll see uh he starts on january 4th for some reason i i've got december 27th in my head i don't know why but anyway so he's got to go up there and he's got to check out apartments first and you know, get approved and whatever, and I don't know how fast he can move in, so we'll see. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.